Rise and shine for National Biscuit Month with Hardy's Famous Buttermilk Biscuits. Made with love from scratch, fresh all morning. It's not the easy way, but it's the right way. Hardy's goodness in the making. What's up, FA Nation? It's Matt Sells here. I'm doing the NASCAR podcast solo this week, thanks to uh, some scheduling issues uh, we we had with uh, my normal co-host. So don't fret. There's quite a bit to go over, including the disaster of a race that Texas Motor Speedway was, um, and what we can expect from Talladega on you know coming up this Sunday. So first, let's recap a little bit of Texas. Not a whole lot to talk about here. Just kidding. There's quite a lot. It wasn't your normal, boring Texas race. We had tires blowing out everywhere. We had drama. We had rain delays in Texas. Um, All told, the race took like, I don't know, felt like six and a half hours to finish. Um, And then we had yet another non-playoff driver uh, win a playoff race. That's the fourth straight playoff race won by a non-playoff driver, in fairness to Tyler Reddick. He was in the playoffs until he got eliminated at Bristol uh, a week ago. So, um, you know, what is going to come of all the drama? I'm not entirely sure, given that we have Talladega coming up. It's a little hard to, you know, intentionally wreck somebody at at Talladega and wind up next to him and and whatnot. But who knows? Maybe, Maybe we see it. Maybe we see William Byron and Denny Hamlin get into it again. Um, maybe Ty Gibbs decides to bump people under caution. Maybe Eric Jones gets back at Ty Gibbs. I don't know. It's kind of a lot going on here. Um, one thing we know for sure, we should not see any tire issues this week at Talladega. We've run a Talladega race, um, earlier in the year. We've run quite a bit of plate races so far. In fact, five of them this year. Um, and so tire issues shouldn't really be a, a, a problem this week, so... That's good. Other than that, pure chaos will reign supreme this week at, at Talladega. Um, so just get used to that. Um, as for, you know, some news and notes that came out this week, uh, the key one that came out on Thursday is that Alex Bowman will not be in the 48 car this week. He is suffering from concussion-like symptoms um, from what did not look to be such a bad hit at Texas, but he said on the radio that that was... The hardest hit he's ever taken. Keep in mind, he was in the hospital for a week uh, after a wreck in a USAC car. Um, so the fact that just bumping the wall at Texas gave him concussions, that's that's not great for the safety of this car. There's been a lot of talk about that this week between uh, Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin leading the charge on that. Uh, we also saw Chase Elliott bump the wall at Texas and get fire in his uh, inside the cockpit. The same issue that Kevin Harvick had that they all thought was fixed is clearly not fixed. So um, safety has been a big topic of conversation this week. Um, but circling back to Alex Bowman, we will have Noah Graxon in the 48 car this week. Um, and yes, we'll have a fill-in in the 62 that Noah Gregson was supposed to be driving. 
Um, if I remember correctly, uh, and let me double check on this here for you, um, as to who's in the 62, let me go ahead and look this up because I, I don't remember off the top of my head um, exactly who is in that car. Um, let's see here. Looking at Sir Bob's Twitter feed, um, we will have Justin Allgaier will be in the 62 car. So at least we get a guy with cup experience um, in that car. So hopefully... That leads to a little bit of a better finish for the 62 team than they, uh, you know, may have been left with without Gregson in the car. So with that, we will turn our attention to Talladega here. Look, this is the, like I said, the sixth plate race of the year. We've had five of them already, so the strategy is pretty clear. Expect chaos, build for every possible outcome. Uh, if we remember back at Daytona, the last plate race, uh, we had people winning nearly a million dollars by hitting parlays of top 10 bets on guys like Cody Ware and BJ McLeod and, you know, folks like that, Corey LaJoy, Landon Castle, folks like that. So um, pure chaos can reign supreme. Um, like we had at Daytona, I think 27 drivers in the field in that race had a top 10 here. Um, we've probably got close to that, uh, here this week. In fact, if we go ahead and look at our handy dandy data tables, um, we've got quite a few, quite a few drivers, um, that have top tens. Guys like Austin Sindrick and Chase Briscoe don't yet have top tens, but they've only really raised here once or twice in their cup careers. Um, so Noah Graxon raced here once. Doesn't have a top 10, but did finish 20th. Um, so, you know, there is that. But we're, we're counting a handful of guys here in the back of the pack that don't have top 10s. Like, Corey LaJoy has a top 10 here. Ross Chastain clearly does. Um, you know, even guys that washed out of the Cup Series, like Ryan Priest, managed a few top 10s in his brief time racing at Talladega. So, um, expect pure chaos. This is a playoff race. There is obviously uh, nobody locked in to the round of eight yet because nobody's won. Um, and the points are pretty solidly compact if we take a look at the standings. Um, th there's not a whole lot of wiggle room between the guy in first and the guy in 12th right now, which is pretty impressive um, to be perfectly honest. Uh, one thing that did shake up the playoff standings this week is uh, William Byron's penalty for spinning Denny Hamlin under caution. Um, when it was originally given, there was a monetary fine, but there was also 25 driver points taken away from William Byron, which moved him from 17 above the cut line to 8 below the cut line, if it stands. Hendrick Motorsports has, in fact, appealed the penalty, I have not yet seen a result of that appeal. So as for right now, Byron is 17 points to the good on the cutoff line. Um, but again, we're coming up to Talladega where anything can happen. Um, so, you know, the, just he basically is just trying to rack up stage points at this point and finish strongly. 
um, to negate any possible ramifications from the penalty, which is almost assuredly going to stick. Um, so, you know, in terms of strategy, I don't think the playoff guys really have a strategy here except to avoid the big one. That's basically everybody's strategy. So for DFS, it's not like um, we've seen at, you know, intermediate tracks where they were trying to rack up stage points for some of them, and then they would pit, and then other guys would pit before the stage break so that they could be in position to win late. We're not going to see a whole lot of that. We're going to see a lot of manufacturers pitting with each other. You know, the Fords are going to pit with each other. The Chevys are going to pit with each other. Toyota will find one of those two to pit with so that they're not off-cycle from, like, half the field. Um, and, yeah, that's basically the strategy here, right? Stack the back. Uh, play guys who are starting towards the back of the field and hope that they avoid the big one. Okay. Now, in terms of if you are betting this race and you're betting a winner, which you don't always have to have the race winner in your lineup to win big at races like Daytona and Talladega and now Atlanta. However, if you are betting this race, most of the last 24 winners of this race have started in the top 20. Okay, I believe the only guy to start out of the top 20 of the last 24 winners was Denny Hamlin back in 2014, started 34th and won the race. The last two winners here have started 19th in Bubba Wallace um, in this race a year ago. And Ross Chastain here earlier this year both started 19th and won. However, that being said, if we go back through the last 24 races here, we have um, a vast majority of the winners are winning from inside the top 10. We got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8... 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 winners of the last 24 have come from inside the top 10. And that also doesn't include guys who started like 13 to 1 or 11th or 12th, which there's been a handful of those guys. So with that being said, if you're betting the race winner, they're still going to come from the top 10 most likely. Uh, I saw earlier today FanDuel has, uh, you know, bets where you can place the race winner comes from 1 through 10, 11 through 20, 21 through 30, 30 on back with different odds for those. Um, top 10 was going off at minus 150. So they clearly know that most of the winners here come from the top 10. And winners from 11 through 20 was going off at plus 200. So you're still getting a pretty decent return for something that's happened a relatively big amount of time, like nine times out of the last 24 races or so, um, or eight times, I guess, out of the last 24 races. So it's happened a third of the time. That's pretty good odds for something that's happened 33% of the time. Um, so from a betting perspective, we want to bet winners who are starting in the top 10. Um, but for top 10 odds, you can take guys who are starting further back, right? Everybody's got a shot at a top 10 at a, at a track like this. We saw that at Daytona. Um, unfortunately, I'm not sure that sports books are letting you parlay those anymore because they got pretty well hammered by letting you parlay top 10 bets at Daytona uh, a few races ago now. So check with the sports book you prefer to see if they'll let you parlay top 10 bets. They may or may not. 
it's up to the sports book. Um, so with that being said, for DFS, the general practice is we're going to start one, maybe two guys starting in the top 20, and then we're going to start everybody else starting 25th or worse. That's cash game builds. Almost assuredly going to at least put you in the money. You're not going to win a whole lot of tournaments doing that because everybody does that. For GPPs, you can start a couple more guys starting closer to the front and just hope that they stay there, hope that the playoff guys can manage the flow of the race, and if they drop back, that they survive the big one and then get back up uh, to the front. And then you can start a few guys um, who may not be quite as good at plate races starting further back, right? There are, there are certainly a group of guys that are very good at plate races, that will almost assuredly be starting further back in the field, and everybody tends to know who those guys are, right? Ty Dillon is a very good plate racer who starts pretty far back. Um, Michael McDowell is a very good plate racer who starts pretty far back. Eric Jones tends to start kind of in the 20 range and is a very good plate racer. Um, You know, you've got some other guys in that, in that range too. Uh, Corey LaJoy is one of them. Um, and he'll be popular because he's coming off a very good run at Daytona. He also had a shot to win at Atlanta. So he's probably going to be a pretty popular guy starting in the back, moving up. Landon Castle's another guy um, who is typically around late in races to take advantage of, you know, wrecks. And lastly, on the strategy part, and then we'll actually get to a couple of the drivers here. You can leave quite a bit of money on the table this week. Um, I know FanDuel is a lot easier to do that with than DraftKings. You'll see cash lineups on FanDuel that are leaving, I don't know, thirty plus thousand dollars on the table, um, maybe more, because if you look at the guys that are starting in the back of the pack on FanDuel, they're all in the three thousand dollar range. And so you could build a lineup that leaves like $35,000 on the table in cash and wins you money. It's happened before. Uh, for GPPs, you're not leaving that many, that much money on the table. For GPPs, if you want to have a shot at the optimal lineup, you're generally going to leave about $8,000 on the table. Is usually the way it works out. Um, sometimes leaving $12,000 works. Sometimes it's a little less. It kind of all depends on where people qualify. But generally speaking... To win big at GPPs, you're going to leave about seven to $8,000 on the table um, on both sites. So with that, let's turn our attention a little bit to the schedule. Um, things happen on track on Saturday. Practice doesn't really matter. Even if they have it, nobody's really going to race or practice. Um, they just don't want to take the shot of something going wrong with their car. Qualifying, it's going to be single car qualifying. So, you know, they'll go out there, they'll turn a lap around the 2.66-mile track. Um, Again, qualifying doesn't necessarily matter that much for DFS because it's basically a dart throw race. For betting, it does because, like I said, most of the winners here have won from inside the top 10. So if you get one of those crazy guys, um, you know, shocking qualifying lap who starts in the top 10 at longer odds, you might want to take a shot on them nabbing a win here. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and you know prep you on when the stuff is going to come out. Uh, we'll have the starting grid video out on Friday morning. 
we'll touch on some interesting bets and what that means for DFS in that one. We'll have the betting piece out on PicksWise on Friday for both NASCAR and F1. We do get F1 coming back this weekend. It's in Singapore. It's a night race. Uh, it will mess with your sleep schedule. So if you choose to do that, great. There's also an NFL game in London, so we're all over the map and time zones this weekend. Um, so we've got F1 practice on Friday, Friday morning, and then later in the morning for FP2. We've got practice and qualifying for F1 on Saturday morning, early morning for qual- for practice, and then qualifying is kind of mid-morning. Um, and then we've got qualifying for Cup on Saturday afternoon at Talladega. Um, so we'll have the F1 playbook will be out Saturday, uh, probably about lunchtime or so, uh, maybe a little after. And then the playbook for Talladega will be out early Saturday afternoon because, uh, again, I've actually already started it. I'm recording this on Thursday evening. Uh, I've already started writing the, the cut playbook because it doesn't really matter where guys qualify. So there you go. Um, and then we'll have price picks out Sunday morning. Like we normally do, we'll have the write-up out then. Um, and, you know, be in Discord most of the weekend. I do have a, my daughter has a soccer game on Sunday. I will try and be on Discord through my phone while that's happening. We'll see how well that works. Um, now let's quickly touch on a few drivers here that I do like this week. Um, yes, everybody is in play. It's pretty much that simple. But there are a few guys that are better here. Um, then Daytona and vice versa. One of those guys is Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin is very good at Daytona. He's not quite as good at Talladega. He is, he does have a win in the last six races here. He does have four top tens in the last six races here, but he doesn't have the multitude of wins that he has at Daytona. And in the last three Talladega races, he's finished 32nd, 7th, and 18th. So he's lost a little bit of the luster. Um, and we'll have to see exactly how he's going to drive this week, knowing he's pretty pissed about what happened to him with Byron. He's also pretty pissed about the safety of the car, so anybody wanting to avoid big wrecks uh, may be a little bit more tentative this week. We'll have to see. But Denny Hamlin is a guy who is... A little lackluster at Talladega, but is very, very good at Daytona. So we can't just compute what he does at Daytona and bring it to Talladega. doesn't really hold as much weight. Uh, a couple of guys who are opposite of that. Ryan Blaney has been okay at Daytona, but he's been very good at Talladega. He's got a couple of wins in the last six races, um, both of which, by the way, are by the small, slimmest margin at the track ever. Um, and... For whatever reason, Talladega just fits him better than Daytona. Yes, he's finished second a couple of times at Daytona. Um, His average finish at Talladega has been very, very good. Um, And he's hit the the top ten four times in the last six races. Two of those have been wins. The other guy is his teammate. Joey Logano has been far better at Talladega than he has been at Daytona. That being said, Joey Logano has had a bad run at Talladega the last five of the last six races. In one of those races, he finished third. In the other ones, he's finished 11th or worse, including twice worse than 32nd. So he's a little bit more of a crapshoot. 
However, most of his plate wins have come at Talladega and not Daytona. So, you know, if, if you're looking for a guy who people might be a little bit off, Joey Logano might be that guy. He is expensive this week. He's 10-2 on DK. But, again, salary doesn't necessarily matter. We're looking for a little bit of leverage. Joey Logano might be a guy to get you that leverage. Um, Chase Elliott is a guy who we don't normally think of as a very good plate racer. But to be honest, he's finished very well in plate races this year. Um, if we go back to the Coke Zero Sugar 400, he wrecked out of that one. That one was his first bad plate race this year. Um, you know, it, it, it's been kind of shocking, to be honest, because we don't necessarily think of him as a guy who is good at plate racing. But he did win at Atlanta, sure. Shorter track, whatnot, not a full plate race, but it does count as a plate race. Um, he did finish seventh at Talladega earlier this year. Um, and if we keep going, we've got finishing sixth at the first Atlanta race. Um, and then the Daytona 500, he finished 10th. So basically all of them, except for the last Daytona race, he's finished in the top 10, including a win. So that might be a guy we want to look at, even though he doesn't have... Um, you know, the greatest history at Talladega, but he has been getting better in each of the last three races. He finished 24th and 18th and 7th. So he's bringing a little bit more uh, consistency to Talladega. Um, you know, to be honest, I'm not sure what to do with William Byron this week. Usually he's pretty decent. He's a pretty decent plate racer. I don't know what... Um, his little spat with Denny Hamlin will bring this week, if it'll bring any. Um, so that that's a guy who I'm not 100% sure what to do with. Um, keeping it in the Hendrick garage, Noah Graxon's in the race in the 48 car, which is clearly an equipment upgrade. My only problem is that he has been open and honest in comments on the record saying that he doesn't really want to be in a cup car the rest of this year because he does not want to risk um, his Xfinity championship run because of the safety concerns in the cup car. And now he's going to be in a cup car at a plate race. So if you're running scared at Talladega, you're probably not going to do all that well. But I think he's probably worth sprinkling in some GPP lineups just in case his tentative nature in the race actually keeps him out of trouble. Um, not a hundred percent confident in that recommendation, but can you be a hundred percent confident in Talladega? Take it for what it's worth. Um, and he's also surprisingly cheap. Like he's cheaper than Landon Castle this week. Um, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, if we keep going, yeah, the mid tier is going to be where a lot of guys live. You got guys like Ricky Stenhouse, Michael McDowell. Um, Eric Amarola's got a win here. Chase Briscoe has been hit and miss at, at plate tracks. Austin Dillon is known to be a good plate racer. Obviously, Brad Keselowski at 7,400 is in that group. But, you know, if, if we're talking about some guys that might fly a bit under the radar here it's it's hard to find them to be honest because 
again, anybody can win here. Everybody's in play. So it's a little hard to go say, well, this guy's going to be a leverage play against the field or or whatnot. Um, but typically speaking, the Toyota guys have a tougher time in plate races than the Chevy or Ford guys simply because there's fewer of them. Uh, so it's harder to find teammates to work with. It's harder on pit strategy because there's only six of them pitting at one time. So they've got to pit properly with either the Fords or the Chevys. Um, but, you know, that being said, a guy that I'm not, that I've been high on for the last few weeks that I'm not necessarily that high on this week is Christopher Bell. He's proven not to be that great of a plate racer this year. He's finished 34th at Daytona. He finished 23rd at Atlanta. Um, he finished 22nd at Talladega the first time around, and that was starting on the pole. Uh, then when you get to... The next Atlanta race, he finished 19th. Um, and then you get to the Coke Zero Sugar 400. He started 5th and finished 36th. So he's been in the wrong place at the wrong time every time. And that's not great when we're talking about plate races. Um, so that's a guy who I've been on for the last few weeks that I'm now not really that high on this week. Uh, Bubba Wallace is clearly in play. Despite the negativity rating that he apparently has on Twitter based on Jenna Fryer's poll release. Um, not a whole lot of people like Bubba Wallace, but people like him when he wins plate races, which he does. Again, he has a win here. He's run very well at plate races. This is a week where he'll be quite popular. He's also $8,900 on DK, so um, that's a bonus. Other than that, we'll have to, uh, you know... Check out the playbook. See the plays. Again, everybody's kind of in play this week. I'm probably going to tell you every lineup is good if you ask me for lineup setups on Discord. Simply because it's likely a crapshoot. There's not really any weather in play this weekend. Luckily, the hurricane has missed them. Hopefully, everybody in the path of the hurricane that you know is safe and sound. Um, but there's not really any weather concerns. It's going to be the same old Talladega. You might get a little bit of tentative racing through the first two stages, but I pretty well predict the stage three is going to be a pretty wild affair if that does, in fact, happen. If it's slow building in the first two stages, stage three is going to be nuts. If they just get out there and go full bore, first stage is going to be nuts. The other two will be a little bit uh, more tame until there's about... I don't know, 20 laps to go, and then you'll see a rush of cautions because people start fighting for a position. So with that, we are going to end a pretty brief uh, NASCAR pod this week. And again, look for the content that's coming out. We got the starting grid video coming out, playbook, projections. Uh, I'll be in Discord. We got prize picks. Example lineups will be out Sunday. Um, and, of course, the F1 content. There's racing in Singapore. Max Verstappen has a shot to clinch the world championship, uh, depending on how things fall in Singapore. And that's right. He would clinch it with like five or six races to go in the season. So uh, with that, look for the F1 content, NASCAR content, and uh, we'll see you in the green, FA Nation.